Welcome to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. My name is Jenna, and in this series, I'll be speaking to plastic surgery residents and giving you an inside look at what it's like to train at their institution. We'll discuss the logistics, the leadership, and the lifestyle of a plastics resident at their program. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Matt Farajzadeh, who's a first-year resident at the University of California, Davis. Matt is originally from San Diego, California. He completed college at UCLA and medical school at the Sackler School of Medicine. His academic interests include facial reconstruction, tissue regeneration, and surgical techniques and innovation. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. So I'd love to get started by hearing the big picture overview about your program. So uh, UC Davis Hospital, the healthcare center, is located in Sacramento, California. It's a bit of a younger program. There's only one resident per year that we take for the integrated program, and there's one resident per year that we take for the independent program. It's a very tight-knit group of people, which I think is really, really awesome. We all kind of know each other really well, and from just the get-go, I've really become a part of the team and you know it's a high level of responsibility just being the only intern on the service but it's also a very great learning experience simultaneously so we have a six years where we rotate through two different kaiser facilities uh, we also rotate through the va we have a shriners children's hospital that we rotate through as well and we are the main plastics people at the UC Davis Healthcare Center, which is a level one trauma center as well. So we are super, super busy all the time, but it's a great place to learn and a great place to really, I think, develop yourself as a surgeon and especially as a plastic surgeon. Can you give me a breakdown across your first three years, what kind of plastic exposure you get? So kind of one of the benefits about being a little bit of a smaller program is that things can be a little bit more custom tailored to what your experience is. So at UC Davis, we have our main plastic service and we have um, a hand service as well, but they're all part of the plastic surgery service. In the first three years, it's a kind of combination between plastic surgery rotations and general surgery rotations. But being a part of the general surgery department, being a division of plastic surgery, uh, we do rotate on a lot of the general surgery services. But we try to kind of keep it relevant to what is beneficial to our education as plastic surgeons. So far this year, I've had the opportunity to rotate on our plastic service, on a burn service, and on an ENT service, as well as an orthopedic trauma service. So all of those things are really, really directly correlated to things that I will be doing as a plastic surgeon. And I get to see patients pretty much from when they come in to when they're being triaged and taken care of by their primary service. And then I can always, I can think to myself with every patient I see, oh, what would the role of the plastic surgeon be for this patient? What's the the thing that I can add to their care? What's the benefit that I bring from my realm of expertise? So I think it's an awesome learning experience. And then the second and third years kind of follow the same suit, kind of weaning off the general surgery rotations into more plastic surgery heavy rotations. And as a third year where you're kind of like the king of the juniors or queen of the juniors, you have the opportunity to work at the Kaiser facilities where you are the only plastic surgery resident working there. So it's a great chance to coalesce all of your skills that you've learned over the past two years 
and direct that towards being a leader of your own service. And you kind of learn how to lead and be independent early on, which I think is a great benefit. Additionally, we also have the opportunity to, like I said earlier, tailor the experience to what you need. So our current third year, uh, Joseph Ferriolo, had the opportunity as a second year to go into two-week craniofacial rotation down in Australia. And that was kind of part of his elective rotations because we do have that kind of close-knit dialogue with our faculty. So because of that, it allows us to kind of create unique opportunities for ourselves to expand our education. Do you know how many months you get in your first, second, and third year just on plastics? I'm not sure for the second and third year, to be honest. For me, I do about a third of my first year in plastic surgery on the plastic service. Yeah, so about four months. And then just kind of increases year per year. So I think that our, don't quote me on this, our second year is kind of doing about like eight months, it seems. So there are three independent residents. Are there any fellows at your program? So no, we don't have any plastic surgery fellows, which... I actually really like because then as a senior, you have the opportunity to do a lot of advanced cases. And so that kind of plays out like when you're at a Kaiser facility and there's no plastic surgery fellow there, you're the one who gets to do all the microsurgery cases. Uh, when we're at UC Davis Hospital, we do all the flaps together. And so even as a PGY1, I'm actually working in these cases. And that's because we don't get bumped from the juniors because there's so many people you could fit around an operating table. I know some other programs that are very microsurgery heavy and have microsurgery fellows there. And still as juniors, you get to operate like a fair amount as well. But I think here you get that education a little bit earlier and you're really encouraged. Like we had um, one of our residents recently graduated and became a faculty member and um, he feels very confident just doing microsurgery right out of residency. Are there any particular either benefits or detriments you feel by having both independent and integrated residents there? I think it's mostly a beneficial thing having both integrated and independent residents. I think one of the benefits of it is that you have people who are already mature in their surgical training. And, you know, as a PGY1, I'm getting training like my chief is a PGY-9. And he has experience from, you know, multiple facilities, but also just from, you know, all those years of training. And he can really impart a lot of that knowledge onto me because he has an experience of what's really relevant from general surgery for me to learn as a first and second year. So I think that's really beneficial. And additionally, I think it's, it's kind of cool getting to see people with different experiences and skill sets coming together. I would say that I guess something that is less beneficial about it is that I don't have any other PGY1 interns with me, which is not honestly the worst thing in the world because I get a lot of experience that way. I have actually made a lot of friends with the interns on the services that I rotated off service with. And I'm, I'm very, very close with them. But the thing is, I, I kind of like being the only intern too. It's fun. I would say another benefit of our program you kind of get thrown into everything. I remember my first week, I started taking maxillofacial trauma call. And obviously, I have backup, and I could feel completely comfortable relying on my co-residents for backup. But I'm in-house there, and it's my first night, and I get called for people coming in for facial trauma, and you just start doing what you got to do. And I think it's a great way to kind of just start growing incredibly fast from the very, very beginning that you're there. And one of the things that I think is really great that my co-residents don't necessarily feel the need that I need to be like handheld so much that they kind of give me the space to work 
as independently as I need to. Obviously, they're looking over my shoulder and making sure that, you know, as the intern, I'm not making any mistakes. But I feel like a really strong amount of independence that I think is really, really beneficial for me trying to build my skill set and kind of find my way as both a doctor and a plastic surgeon. Can you tell me now a bit about research, both in terms of expectations and then also the support that you get once your research is you know, ready to share with the world? So I think we get a good amount of support for research at our institution. We've been, I think, pretty active in the academic community. Our faculty is very supportive of us doing research. I don't think there's any specific expectation from us, but I think that there is an understanding that the more, the better. And I think kind of like a loose goal that we've had is about one paper per year. I think our residents do more than that. We, we have a lot of projects going on simultaneously. Even coming in, I've had seniors come and approach me for help with projects and just to get involved early on from even my orientation week, just to kind of get the ball rolling. So like we really take care of each other in that respect. And our faculty also kind of pushes us to think in research terms. We have faculty members that are on editorial boards for multiple different journals. And our faculty also has different uh, skill sets as well. So they really bring a lot to the table in terms of guidance and expertise in finding research. We have a research associate that works with us. She's a kind of research coordinator. And uh, she helps us get all of our IRBs ready. She helps us kind of get the ball rolling, making sure all of our T's are dotted and our I's are crossed with the research to make sure that we're following all the rules and everyone's information is safe and HIPAA compliant and all those good things. And then when you are ready to go present, does the program provide funding for that? Yeah. I'm not exactly sure like how much funding, like how many papers, but we get one meeting that we're funded to go to per year. And we also get one course that we're funded to go to per year. So we have our residents going to the Duke Flap course. We have people going to the Dallas Rhinoplasty. We have people going to the Penn Flap course. So we get that benefit of the added experience of going to these large courses and these symposiums where we can really refine our skills and get training from not just like the best people, you know, we have great faculty and they're awesome at our program, but we could also go and get this wealth of information from the best in the world and the best in the country. And all that kind of really coalesces in our training because people feel very confident just going into either independent practice or academic practice straight out of residency. And everybody can go to a course like every year of residency? Yeah, I think intern year is a little bit hard to do just as far as coordinating with your schedule. And I think later on, because we have that kind of ability to independently choose our schedules and kind of coordinate that, we have a little bit more ability to, to do so. But right now, for example, like I'm trying to get my, my feet under me. So it's a little bit harder to, to figure that out. And I'm trying to just learn the basics of everything. So when I do want to go ahead and, and advance my my learning and get hands-on learning and cadaver experience, that door's open for me. And there's also, you know, I think people are very accommodating if you wanted to go to any course independently of the program to go on your own. They're very encouraging of that as well. So there's no real limit to like the time that you can take off to go to these courses. It's a matter of just coordinating it with your schedule. I will say though, like we have a lot of good resident learning. Like we have our own cadaver courses that we're getting to go ahead and learn how to do our flaps and all the faculty comes in. And faculty from other departments come in and like, you know, from ENT and from orthopedics. And really, we get a broad base of education from that within our own learning. 
We have our own injection clinics that we run. So as a PGY1, I'm getting to already go ahead and do things with like Botox and fillers just so I can get that experience longitudinally over the six years. Can you tell me a little bit more about what call is like? We're a very busy level one trauma center. As plastic surgery, when we're on the UC Davis rotation, we take maxillofacial trauma call and hand call as well. Hand call is Q2, although we have an independent hand resident position that people who are in a research year or people who are between PGY1 years or between residencies tend to fill, and they take the majority of the hand call. But we take Q3 uh, facial trauma call. So it's pretty busy, but it's also really good because it's the PGY1 year that you're the in-house call, and then the PGY2s, 3s, 4s, 5s, 6s are all um, home call. So you have backup from different seniors every night. And additionally, I think the only nights that are a little bit more busy are the nights that we take hand and face together. But I think those are really good learning experiences because, you know, you learn how to do all those things really early on. And so you kind of advance a little bit faster, I think, in the residency than you would if, you you know, if all PGY1 was like buddy call or there was no call PGY1, I think that it would be really harder to get your, your feet under you to feel more confident in your clinical and surgical decision making. And also it's a great experience too. You know, I think like my second week I had people coming in with like, you know, dropping a saw on their face and getting it all cut in half. And my seniors were there to, to back me up. But, you know, that was that was my patient, which I thought was pretty, pretty awesome. You don't think you could do it until you do it, which I'm learning in residency is really great because the more you get thrown into things, the more you realize you're capable of. So are there actual specific elective months built in? Or is it more like you just kind of work things into your schedule? There's like an open line of communication to work those things out. There's an open line of communication to work those things out. Our faculty is really receptive to tailoring the program to what your specific needs are. So like if you're someone that really wants to do craniofacial and like, you know, from your first day that you're gung-ho about doing craniofacial, your entire residency can be kind of tailor-made to expose you to those sorts of cases as much as you want to, or if you're like really going to call about micro, the same thing. So I think one of the great things is that you really have an opportunity to direct your education whatever way you want. What kind of opportunities are there for like global rotations or mission trips? We do have a mission trip kind of built into the program. It's when you're a chief resident, you get to go to Hawaii with our chair, and he does uh, like a two-week craniofacial volunteering there for cleft lip and palates. That's pretty awesome, I get to think, because A, you're in Hawaii, but B, you got to do kind of one of those service trips. But I think that if there's something that you really want to do and that kind of fits in with you know your goals of education... And I think our faculty is pretty receptive to giving you space to go ahead and do those things. Can you tell me a little bit more about what the cosmetic experience is like? We get a lot of pretty good cosmetic experience here. We have both support from our faculty who have university-based reconstructive and cosmetic practice to people in the community that we're also affiliated with that we're welcome to go in and learn from and work with and, and do that. Our last chief resident was able to go straight into his own 
private practice right away from residency. So I think that kind of speaks to our abilities and our exposures to cosmetic surgery here. I think there's plenty of patients in Sacramento and kind of this northern Central Valley area that are interested in cosmetic surgery. And between our faculty and people in the community, we get really good exposure. One of our faculty members, Dr. Pooh, is an expert in fat grafting in addition to lower extremity reconstruction. So we kind of get the jack of all trades. And our program has had a pretty strong body contouring practice with uh, Dr. Michael Wong. And he's been really driving doing these kind of total body lift type things and working with uh, patients, uh, paniculectomies and patients with morbid obesity. So I think once you get those really hard cases in, then you're really well set to do kind of people who are nice and healthy and want to just feel better about themselves. You're, I think you get a really broad skill set in being able to help those patients out. Is there like a chief resident cosmetic clinic? Yes. So we actually have senior resident availability to do their own clinic hours. It's a matter of just scheduling it and finding, finding patients. But even our PGY-5s and PGY-4s are able to book their own patients and have their own clinic. I'm able to find my own patients that want to go ahead and do Botox and filler, and I'll have a senior resident come in with me and show me the ropes, and we're able to do that from first year. And I think that level of responsibility just kind of graduates. So once you're a, you know, a senior resident, then you can you get to do those small procedures independently. But once you're a senior resident, then we do have our own senior operating uh, times that we can go ahead and book ourselves if we find those patients. Do you get any experience to gender affirmation surgery? I don't know a ton about that, but I do think that uh, some of the Kaisers that we work with tend to specialize more in those smaller gender affirming surgeries. The UC Davis Health Center doesn't do those procedures a ton, but I've seen the Northern California Kaisers kind of being a little more specialized in, the, in those regards. Do you know if they're doing bottom surgery or maybe just more some like top and some facial kind of things? Definitely top surgery. And so what area of plastic surgery would you say that residents tend to come out with the strongest experience in? I think our residents come out the strongest in areas of cosmetic and aesthetic surgery, and additionally in reconstructive surgery as well, like microsurgery and reconstructive surgery. And how would you improve your program? I think our program has a lot of room to expand. We're a very, very busy service. All of us have, you know, enough cases to pretty much count for two residents, at least, if not more. So I think our, our program can improve by kind of expanding the number of residents, the number of um, faculty that we have. Um, not that it's not enough, but I think that, you know, the more people, the better. And I think we're a very strong service and I think we're a very busy service. So I think there's bringing more people in. I think you have more chance to kind of cross pollinate ideas kind of to work together. And I think I really love our UC Davis family and it would be great to just have a little bigger family as well. And any perks about your program you'd like to share? Yeah, there are definitely some perks in the program. So when I came right in, I got a very nice customized uh, white coat on those high-end ones. That uh, was really, really nice because I think some of the other surgical residents don't get their white coats until second year. It was really nice to welcome coming in. They really made me feel like, okay, like this is it. You are now a plastic surgeon. You are now a doctor and you're going to regard yourself as such and we're going to treat you as such. So that was really, really nice. Additionally, I think we we kind of like, we love the kind of getting swag for each other and uh, making you uh, UC Davis plastic surgery 
shirts and scrub caps and all that good stuff. I think additionally, we have a lot of uh, events that are sponsored. So, you know, we have our journal clubs that not recently because of COVID, but usually we kind of like have like a dinner at some nice restaurant for our journal clubs and we can, you know, all get together and read the latest literature and have, have those uh, intellectual discussions. One of the biggest part I think is that you can have some autonomy in your schedule and in your rotations. And I think that's, you know, being able to tailor make your, your kind of education, you know, within reason to something that's really interesting to you, I think is really beneficial. And I think also like the closeness with the residents is, is really nice. You know, I have all my chiefs and my, all my senior residents and my junior residents all, you know, I can ask them for anything. Even if I'm not on service, if I have a question, if I have any issues, like literally anyone will, will help me out. And I think that's really special. And I know other programs that presidents are like super, super tight, but I really felt like it was a family here. So for me, that was a big thing that kind of drew me in. So now I'd love to hear a little bit more about the program leadership. So like your chief and your program director. Our PD has been Dr. Michael Wong, and he's been really, really awesome. He's been super helpful in kind of education. He's been really dedicated to educating our students. He's really made a huge effort to make our residents really front and center of his concerns and to promote our, our education and to make sure that we're being treated fairly within the university. And he's been like the strongest advocate for us of all time. Our chair is Dr. Granger Wong. And he is really, really open to having us come and, you know, sit down with him. We, ha we all have meetings with him um, in the beginning of the year and now kind of like halfway through to kind of sit down and like discuss how we're doing and how everything is going. So he's a very caring individual. And kind of from the very beginning, I'm, I'm having the opportunity to work with him and to get to know him. And, you know, they, they're always willing to go out of their way to make sure that we're getting everything that we need in our education and that we're well taken care of in regards to, you know, how the university as a whole makes treats residents and they really think that we're the best and we're they treat us as such. Has there been a time where either you or another resident brought up an issue to your leadership and how they responded to that? They're very understanding of where we come from as as residents and how, you know, the stress that we're under and like the exhaustion and all of those good things. I think they're they're very understanding and they tend to really listen to us and to take um, everything into consideration if any of those sort of conflicts come up. I think they really want everything to get settled with everyone's best interests in mind. And I think they've been really uh, diplomatic in any sort of conflict resolution. Could you tell me a little bit more now about how residents live in Sacramento? So starting off, do they mostly live in houses or apartments? I think it's about a 50-50 split. I know that a fair amount of residents are actually owning houses here. Because it's a long program, you know, six years, if you buy a house, it can be a, it can be a good investment. And Sacramento, I think, is still California, so it's not always the cheapest place to be. But I think it's more reasonable than, you know, some of the other big cities in, in our state. And it's not a little town. It's got, like, a, things that you want from a big city, but also some small-town vibes. One of the things I love about living in Sacramento is that, you know, you can just chill in town if you want to. And there's some great restaurants and coffee shops and, and all those things going on. A little bit different now because of COVID, but still, I can I, I can still tell that that there's uh, some really good stuff around. But another one of the great things is that we're so close to Lake Tahoe. If you want to go, it's only a two-hour drive. 
Yosemite is a three or four hour drive. If you want to get there, it's like an hour to San Francisco. So, you know, you could really take advantage of those golden weekends. You know, it's an hour flight to LA or San Diego. Like, I mean, I, I've definitely taken advantage of some of those golden weekends. Like my fiance and I went down to Yosemite one time I had, you know, when I was post call and enjoyed that very much. And, you know, I'm planning on going skiing a bit on the weekends where I'm not asleep in Lake Tahoe. So uh, I think it's a really great place. A lot of our residents I know go down to Napa Valley a lot. It's an hour drive there for wine tasting and just kind of being outdoors. So I think there's a really big culture of working hard and playing hard here, which I think is really awesome too. What's the spread of people that are married, in relationships, single, have kids, things like that? I think it's also about, it's about 50-50. And I'm seeing that kind of like from from all over the place. I think people... Some people come in and, you know, are single and they stay single. Some people find, you know, their partners here. Some people have kids during residency. Some people come into residency with kids. I don't think anyone in our program has kids right now, but one of our most recent chiefs literally had his second child as he was finishing residency. So it's definitely possible. And I think our, our programs, you know, is very family oriented too. Is it necessary to have a car? No, it's not necessary to have a car. It's definitely nice to have a car, but I think a lot of people bike around Sacramento and I see people biking all the time. I ride my bike every once in a while to work when I'm not half asleep, if it's not too early. But a lot of people live within biking distance of a hospital, and I think it's just really cool because then you don't have any issues with finding parking or bike parking. You literally just ride your bike right up to the hospital, you lock it up, and then you go about your day. Definitely don't need a car. I know a lot of people who don't use their cars to get back and forth to work. So I think that's most of the things I wanted to ask about. So any final thoughts either about your program or more generally on the process of choosing a residency? I think UC Davis is an awesome place to be. It's a place that's really gives you good opportunities to grow as both a physician and as a person and that it's an open door of opportunity for you. So if you're someone that is a go-getter and that you're really like happy, like choosing for yourself like what you want and you know what you want and you're able to go i think it's a great place for that i think it's a great place also if you don't know what you want and you just want to see a little bit of everything get all the exposure so i think that we have uh i think it's a great place and i think that people should really consider it when they're choosing a program i also think that when you're choosing a program i know people a lot of times will think about the prestige of the program or who's the faculty there and all these sorts of things I think all plastic surgery programs, you get a great education. And, you know, if you've made it into plastic surgery residency, you're doing something right. And you're, you're a hardworking person. You're a smart person. So I honestly don't really think it matters so much which program you go to or, you know, if your program gives you a lot of support or doesn't support if it's a newer program, it's not a newer program. I think go where you'll be happy. Go where you kind of like, you know, it's kind of hard right now to do AIs or sub-Is and kind of get the vibe of the place. But just even from talking to faculty, I remember when, before I was applying, I would just like, I was interested in research. I was really interested in getting advice. And so like, I would just reach out to faculty members at different places and some people would be responsive right away. And like, you know, I was kind of surprised, but it was really impressive a lot of times that people were so happy to share their experience and advice with me. And that really meant a lot to me as someone who was applying. So I think you should go to somewhere that you feel that you kind of click with the vibe there and something that you should kind of feel out. And I think the location is important for me. Being someone who's a native Californian, I was really, really happy to also match in California, let alone to plastic surgery. So I kind of got both my wishes on that one. 
but I think it's important to like the place that you are because you're going to spend a lot of time there and there's going to be a lot of times where, you know, you're exhausted and, you know, you, you don't feel the best and that, you know, you might be emotionally exhausted as well as physically exhausted. And just being able to like the place that you are, I think, just adds so much to that. And it's the one less thing that you have to worry about, you know, like if you're someone that doesn't like the cold, don't go to somewhere on the East Coast because the last thing that you want is, you know, you have to round at five o'clock in the morning. So you're getting up at four. And then by the time you're there, you have to like get the snow off your windshield and then warm your car. And it's like, if, if you're someone that, that doesn't like that or has never experienced that in your life, maybe you can get into, you know, uh, like NYU or Albany or whatever. But like, will you be happy there with that lifestyle? I cut a lot of programs off of my rank list not because I thought I was so great or whatever, because I just, I didn't want to be miserable with the place that I was in. And I think a lot of people can make anything work in any place, but I think that residency is is not a time to kind of put the rest of your life on hold. I know it's kind of hard to juggle everything and I, I, I suffer from it all the time, being able to juggle, you know, life and work and trying to figure out what I'm doing and how to survive. But I don't think there's a reason to put your life on hold. If you want to like find a partner if you want to have kids, if you want to, you know, maybe that's not for you. Maybe you just, you know, want to like become a world champion salsa dancer or whatever. You should definitely do those things and develop yourself as a person in addition to yourself as a plastic surgeon. I think one of the best things about our specialty is that everyone is pretty well-rounded. I think everyone has a lot of interest outside of, you know, just being in the hospital all the time. And I think the kind of the demographic of people who are in plastic surgery and Kind of, kind of fits that. Or a lot of people have very diverse interests and kind of bring a lot of outside experience to the table when they come into the operating room. So I think it's great to cultivate those things. And you know, if you have your life goals, it might be great to have those life goals in the hospital. But having them outside of the hospital as well is super important. And I think people should really cultivate that. Nobody gets to where they are without a lot of help along the way, whether you're willing to acknowledge it or not. So I think it's always my personal philosophy that you know you should always pay it forward and help out the people coming in or that have less experience than you or like farther behind in the process than you are. Cause that's the only way we all get better by helping each other. I'm sure anyone listening will very much appreciate that. So if prospective applicants want to find out more, how should they go about doing that? So we have our UC Davis PRS Instagram, which I think is nice. If you want to see little snippets of the people in the program, kind of get an idea of some of the activities that we're up to, some of the fun things going on. I also think that a great way is to check out our website from the UC Davis Health website, Plastic Surgery Residency. I'm not sure what the exact URL is, but Googling it, I'm sure everyone is capable of that. I think those are both great ways to get to know more about it and know more, more about our faculty. Well, Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. My pleasure, my pleasure, Jenna. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing to our show via your favorite podcast service and following us on Instagram and Twitter. For more podcast episodes and residency information, check out our website, doctority.co. That's doctority.co. We love feedback from listeners, so please contact us through the website or through social media with your questions or suggestions. See you next time.